0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Hey,
1: turn with me in the Bible. Get your Bible, get your phone, get your app, get your whatever you got. Turn with me to Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Man, let me, tell about, let me tell you about my morning. It's like... First of all, the night ended bad. You obviously know why it ended bad. Well, you know, what a debacle that was. But at any rate, okay? Then I get up this morning. I get up early like I do every Sunday to get down to my office, go over my notes, get my computer, all that stuff. And I set my computer on my desk. No power. Hooked the power cord up to it. Nothing happening. Like, man. Even if you have a MacBook, you know the little power uh, thing on the end turns green. No green. Nothing. Okay. Hmm. Power cord must have went bad. I'll go get Penny's power cord. Put it on. Not working. Okay. I tried three cords. I have no power in my laptop. This is not good. My life is on my laptop. Okay. This is not good. My notes for today are on my laptop. My keynote are, uh, is on my laptop. I'm like, oh, this is just not good. Right. So I, I finally like, well, I'm, I throw that to the side. I text Troy in my hour of need. He wasn't there. Oh no, he can spend all week getting pictures ready on Facebook, pictures ready for the mess. He's to mock me. But in my hour of need, where is he? Oh, Demas has departed me. Okay. And and so I'm, I'm messing with that. Then I think, well, okay. Well, I'll have to use my phone, use my iPad. Then I can't get on the internet. It's not working. I want to do this. I, I, I was like, oh my goodness gracious. It was just a bad morning. But let me know, aren't you glad that we're not dependent on the technology for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen. So, anyway, let me take you to 2 Timothy. I want to talk to you about a few words that, that Paul was talking to Timothy about. If, if, if I kind of set up the verse I'm going to read from with reading a few verses ahead of it in chapter two. Verse 22 says, now, he's talking to, he's giving advice to Timothy. He says, now flee from youthful lust. Uh, how, many, how many of you ever had youthful lust? How many of you ever had old people lust? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little slower than youth, you know, people lust. All right? He says, flee from, how many of you wished now, when you're older, you wished you had had fleed some things when you were younger? Amen? He says, flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love, pursue peace peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. He said, refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing they produce quarrels. Boy, how many of us should put that right upon our Facebook page? (laughs) Okay, just put that right on. Foolish and ignorant speculations, ignore them, all right, because they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. And they came to their senses and escaped from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. And then Paul transitions here. He says, but realize this, Timothy. I give you all these admonitions, but realize this. In the last days, difficult times will come. How I many of live in difficult times? All right? For men... Will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revelers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Man, Paul's like, this is what's going to be in the last days. And as I was thinking about this and pondering this, and, and so I have a message for you today, and the message is simply got a title like this. Are you a lover? Are you a lover? And, and the answer to that question is yes. How many know the answer to the question is yes? The question is yes, or the answer is yes, but then the next question is, what are you a lover of? you like, so, so, it was my birthday this week, you might have heard from unscrupulous people, the kind of Bible just talked about, (laughs) okay? And so there's things I love. I love pumpkin pie, all right? I've had pumpkin pie more times than you can even imagine this week, and I have not grown weary of it, right? The Bible says not to grow weary in well-doing, so, (laughs) all right? I also really, really like cheesecake, and like we had a monumentous, monumentous occasion this week. Penny made one. Now, you see, she's really good at making them. Like, really good. It's just that we need a special occasion between the five years that she actually makes one. <laughs> All right? And then my mother makes this goopy cake It's kind of got these weird shapes to it and got pineapple here and a cherry there and some kind of nice, and we had that. My gosh, we've had more cake and pie and stuff this week and we love them all, right? Because how many know we're lovers? We are lovers in this life. The question is, what are we loving? Because how many know what you love is what you will invest in, Right? I got a lot of money spent on grandkids i got a lot of money spent on a daughter who also was part of this mocking this week but not as mean as them what you love you invest in i got one friend that's on facebook and he is so in love with this car like i'm telling you it's his mistress I'll tell you what, let me tell you something. I, I, told, I, I, uh, I, I talked to my staff one time about beware the mistress of ministry. It's very easy for pastors and leaders and ministry leaders to make their ministry their mistress. And your mistress gets what the wife should get. That your ministry is getting the time and the affection and all the love and all that, which should be going to your wife. Because how many know some of that you can't spend in two places? Another story for another day. What you love, you will invest in. What you love, you dwell on. What you love, you think on. What you love, you want to spend on. And so Paul says this. Paul says, Paul's saying and there's three things that people are going to love in the last days. One of those, he says, is a lover of self. Have you ever met anybody that's in love with himself? <laughs> like, like, you just know they love themselves, right? That, that, word's, that word means they are intent on their own interest, all right? Lovers of self typically love one person above all else, me. Like, I love me, right? How does one appear to do that? How does that happen? You know, Paul also had an admonition. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. So our life as Christ followers are to be about the interest of others, not only the interest of self, all right? Lovers, listen to me. Lovers of self, I'm gonna say this to you. Lovers of self have more in common with Satan than Christ. Ouch! Lovers of self have more in common with Satan than they do Christ. You say, well, how can that be? Hello? How many of you know that it was his arrogance and his pride, Lucifer, in heaven, who caused him to rebel against God because he was looking after his own interest and not the interest of God? And when believers, listen to me, I'm talking believers this morning. I'm talking to the church this morning. I'm talking to the body of Christ this morning. When you are more intent on your own interest than the interest of others, you have more in common with Satan than you do Christ. I don't know about you, if I want to be like somebody it's gonna be Christ, not Satan. Although, when I was in the firewall, there were times I'm pretty sure I was much more like Satan than Christ. <laughs> it's an oxymoron, selfish Christianity. Selfish Christian, it's an oxymoron, right? Lovers of self are not like Christ, period. End of discussion. The reason that Jesus came to life, is because, came to earth, is because he did not love his life more Than you, more than me. Okay? Um, When you are looking only after your own interest and not the interest of others, you are selfish. The love of Christ, the love of Christ received, is a compelling force that should be about the interest of others. Paul said what? The love of Christ compels me. Compels me. How many of you have ever been compelled? I mean, that pumpkin pie just compelled me to eat it. Right? That you've been compelled. You couldn't help yourself. You just were compelled. The love of Christ received should be the love of Christ given. Right? That we're not lovers of self. The love of Christ in us should compel us to deny us. The love of Christ in us should compel us to allow him to love through us. Do you know there are people in your life that he wants to love through you? He wants to love through you. But when you're loving yourself, it's hard to have him love through you to someone else. The love of Christ, the love of self, is selfish ambition. Lovers of self, listen to me, are out of the divine order of the kingdom. What is the divine order of the kingdom? I mean, it was God first, others second, me third. Third. What is divine order? Listen to me. I'm going to say this to you this morning. I'm not even sure sometimes, like, like there are some days I'm not even sure I got God first. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure some days it's me, others, God. Anybody have any one of those days? The divine order of the kingdom is to love God first with all my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. And the second is like it, which is? As your, all right. There's a divine order in the kingdom of God for love. And when you are a lover of self, you are putting self on the throne and you are out of divine order. And how many know nothing works well when it's out of divine order? You cannot have a heavenly marriage, a godly marriage, and have that out of order. You just can't. Maturity. Is expressed through selflessness, not selfishness. Maturity is expressed through selflessness, not selfishness. Children are selfish. Babies are selfish. It's mine. You can't have it. Right? We naturally think that way. But when you beget mature, is it not maturity? Is not is not selflessness a demonstration of your maturity? When I was young, it was all about me. You know, when the baby's a year old, 16 months old, two years old, how many know they got pretty much one person's the most important person in the world? Then they get more mature and they know that Pappy is the most important person in the world. (laughs) Because he will give us donuts and he will give us money and he will give us candy. (laughs) All right. And it's still about them. Maturity. If you are a mature Christian, if you're a mature Christ follower, you're not selfish. You're selfless. Paul goes on. And he says about lovers of money. Right? Oh no, let me back up a minute. I forgot to bring you one point about this lovers of self. When you're a lover of self, oftentimes you'll give love, but the only reason you get love is because you're looking for something in return. How I many? It's still about you. It's still about you. How I many? You know, do you love? Do you love to give or do you love to get? Right. True love is demonstrated in that I love and I don't need anything in return. True love is loving somebody who can't give you anything in return. They got nothing to give me in return. Jesus demonstrated this. Lovers of money. I like money. How many like money? Okay? How many know money's not bad? How many know money's not good? Lots of money's good. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Money's not bad. Money's not good. You have heard me say it many times it's amoral, it'll take on the morals of the person who holds it. So I can use it for good, I can use it for evil. I can use the social media for good, I can use it for evil. No morals whatsoever. Okay? But lovers of money, Paul said. Think about this for a moment. Why did Judas betray Jesus? Some think he was some people try to argue that he was, you know, trying to create this rebellion that was going to take place and make Jesus take the kingdom. And quite frankly, I think they're just looking for excuses because the Bible gives me a couple of reasons why. That's very simple. I mean, no, he wanted money. The Bible says he went to the Pharisees. He said, what will you give me? How much will you give me to betray him? I'll give you, we'll give you 30 pieces of silver. And then he went and looked for an opportunity. He did it for 30 pieces. The Bible tells me and gives me an illustration that Judas loved silver more than Jesus. He loved money more than Jesus. The Bible tells me that he was a thief. It's amazing. The lovers of money will actually find themselves opposing the work of God rather than embracing it. Right? Think about this Judas betrayed Jesus, Judas actually was opposing the very work of God. My, my, my love of money will help cause me to actually oppose things that God wants to do. Because I mean, you know, one of the contexts in which God works in this world today is through money. Come on. The love of money caused Judas to betray the one who loved him. Paul told Timothy, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. The love of money, the love of money becomes this sword by which I wound myself. The love of money, not money, the love of money. This love of money causes me to injure myself. You know, if you dried up the money in this world, how many you know there'd be a lot of evil that would go away? The driving force of much of the evil in our world is about money. The drug business is about money. I mean, we understand. I understand addiction. I've been around it. You know that. But the reason that people end up getting drugs and are addicted is because somebody else is making money off it. And someday. <laughs> My God is gonna break the hand of the puppet in this city and bring it down. Let me just say that. Yeah, mark my words, ladies and gentlemen. The puppet behind the show is gonna come, down, the puppet holder is gonna come down. Okay, won't go there today. You see, First of all, lovers of money, Judas was opposing God's work. The Pharisees were opposing God's work. The love of money will put you in opposition to what God wants to do. Think about, think about Solomon. Remember Solomon? The Bible says that Solomon tested himself. Tested himself with pleasure, right? Right? He tested himself. He did, I withheld nothing. He was the wisest man, and he was the most wealthiest man, and he denied himself nothing at all. And what, 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 was this, what, what happened? He said, but I found it to be futile. It was a futility. You see, the love of money will leave you in a state of discontent. It'll leave you in a state of discontent, because how many know when you love money, you'll never have enough money? I mean, you have all the money you need, but you'll never have all the money that satisfies you. Because how many know getting a need met and being satisfied are two different things? And when you're looking for this money to be the satisfaction of your life, it leaves you in a state of discontent. I never have enough. I always want more. I mean, like, one pumpkin pie isn't enough. Let's have three. One for me and two for everybody else. There's a discontent that happens. You see, remember the story of Judas? Remember the story of the, the woman who comes into the house of the Pharisees and she breaks the vial of the perfume and she pours it over Jesus and anoints him and it was this beautiful fragrance that went up and it was this beautiful picture of redemption it was a beautiful picture of worship and oh, it was just an amazing moment to which Judas says what? To which Judas says, oh, he said, Could not this money, this perfume been sold and the money given to the poor? Did you understand? The Bible says he wasn't concerned about the poor. The Bible says that he was a thief and would steal from the revenue that Jesus of them had. They had had their own money, right? Think about this for a moment. The love of money caused him to miss the beauty of the gospel. The beauty of the gospel that was in display in front of him. The redeemed and the redeemer. And Judas couldn't catch it because he was a lover of money. Because let me know, when you're a lover of God more than you're a lover of money, and you're a lover of people more than you're a lover of money, you see that exchange, you see what just happens, and you're going, that's awesome. That's awesome. But because he was thinking, oh, if we could have sold that and that money could have got put in here, I could have got some of it. It's amazing, isn't it? Judas was a lover of money that caused him to pilfer money from the kingdom. The love of money pilfers money from the kingdom of God. Do you understand that he was exploiting the poor so he could pilfer money? Listen to what he's saying. Hey, we could, have, we could have sold that and we could have given it to the poor. So in the name of the poor, he wanted to get money to put into the treasury so he could steal from it. Right. Far be it from people today to exploit the poor to steal money. It happens all the time. It happens in Christian organizations. Where there's an exploitation that goes forth. And it's really not about them. It's really about somebody else's money, pocketbook. That's that's like condemning, isn't it? The the love of money will keep you in a constant state of discontent. How much money would it keep take to keep you content? To keep you content, it, it, because how many know we just have a kind of way to just kind of keep going up the ladder. in Hebrews keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said now watch what so he says what's he say stay free from the love of money be content with what you have now here's the reason why because God said never will I leave you and never will I forsake you I mean my confidence today is in the fact that he'll never leave me and he'll never forsake me not what's in my checkbook And so sometimes now, when I fall in love with money and I'm a lover of money, what am I saying? I'm saying that I'm really not sure that you're going to not forsake me and not keep me and not be with me. We quote the scripture, but sometimes our life doesn't line up with the scripture we quote. Let me ask you a question. Could your love of money be causing a hindrance to the work of God? Could your love of money be causing an opposition to the work of God? Could your love of money be causing you to miss the joy of worship? I promise you, if you can't give, and you, and, and, and you don't understand, and you're a lover of money, I promise you, you're not experiencing the joy of giving. The Bible talks about the joy of giving. This is not a money message. This is a lover message. The lover of self, the lover of money. The Bible says you cannot serve both God and mammon, God and money. You cannot love both God and money. Money is a conduit through which you can express and demonstrate your love for God and love for his people and God's love for others. Then Paul says that there'll be lovers of pleasure. How many like pleasure? Oh, please. Okay, first of all, first of all, let me say this what's wrong with you? Why would you love pleasure? There's nothing wrong with pleasure. Right? There's nothing wrong with it. I do lots of things that bring me pleasure. I go to the beach. I love the beach. I wish I could say I love camping. I, can't, I, I want to tell you something. For the last couple of months, we've been working diligently on this building. And I, can't, and I say this every week to some of the guys. I say it to Eric, my, my son-in-law, I say it to others. I can't tell you how bad I feel when I see these men each week, The same men giving up their Saturday to pour hours into this building. Because they could be doing something else, somewhere else, having far more fun than working on that building. Trust me, let me, ask, let me tell you something. When I get up yesterday morning early and I felt the crisp, cold air, let me tell you where I wanted to go. I wanted to go golfing. The last place I wanted to go was this stinking building. I wanted to go golfing, right? I wanted to go golfing Friday. I wanted to go golfing Thursday. But the fact of the matter is, I didn't. Why? Got to get it done. And every week I got guys who show up here They can be doing something else, somewhere else, doing pleasure somewhere else. And they're not lovers of pleasure. Because they're lovers of God and lovers of people and lovers of these kids and lovers of this church. They're there, busting their butt. It's amazing. Ted Turner, in 1997, gave a billion dollars to the UN. How much stinking money do you have when you give a billion dollars away? Like, how much money do you have when you can give a billion dollars away? A few years ago, Steve Ballmer bought the L.A. Clippers for $2 billion. What are you going to do today? I'm going to go buy a sports franchise. <laughs> I'm going to buy a professional basketball team. How much is it going to cost you? $2 billion. $2 billion. I just want the tithe off the $2 billion. <laughs> Okay, okay, I'll take 5%. I mean, think about this. Now, why do I say that? Because how many know that kind of money and that kind of power can take you to a place where you have unbridled money and unbridled authority, and, and, and now you can use it for extreme self-indulgence? Amen? Then it can just become self-indulgent. How many know you don't have to make $2 billion to be self-indulgent? But the point I'm making is how what would happen? How, how many ever made it? if I had that kind of money, I would do this, 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 and this. You won't do it with it if you don't do it with what you have now. You might have more potential and you might have more capacity, but capacity doesn't change character. Capacity does not change character. Solomon, the Bible says, tested his life with the pursuit of pleasure. Come now, I will test you with pleasure. And it led him to futility. Unbridled money, unbridled authority, and unbridled power led to a passionate pursuit of pleasure that brought him to a place of futility. Why? Why is that? Because we, as the creation of God, were created for a purpose, not pleasure. I have been created with a divine purpose of a divine God that created me with a purpose and created me with a calling, created me with a mandate and created me with something to fulfill. We were created to pursue our purpose, not pleasure. But I'm gonna make you a promise this morning that when you pursue your purpose and you find purpose, you will also find pleasure. I promise you that. There's no greater pleasure on the earth than to be part of the purpose for which you were created. None. None. You see, lovers of pleasure find something that can never fulfill them. It can never sustain them. I Anybody mean, ever remember the first time, and some of you might not be beach lovers, that's okay. You can use another example. How many of you ever remember the first time you ever went to the beach? Like, oh, I gotta go back. And I gotta go back again. And I gotta go back again. Now, for me, it never gets old. But how many know some? you can get to a place where something does get old? The pursuit of pleasure can never sustain you. The pursuit of pleasure will often lead us away from purpose. Say, so how do I know that? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations. Adam and Eve were in the garden, divided, created by God with a purpose. And all of a sudden, they sought to be a lover of self, tempted by Satan. I'm going to seek that which I'm not allowed to have because I want pleasure more than I want God. I want the pleasure of having what I'm not supposed to have. And that seeking of pleasure robbed them of their purpose. Out of that pursuit of pleasure, they sinned against God. Out of that pursuit of pleasure, they rebelled against God. Out of that pursuit, they rebelled against the purpose of God for their life. I love, love, love what I do. What God has called me to do. I love pastoring. I love it. just about everything about it. I love just about everybody I do it with. I'm just kidding. Okay? I love it. I absolutely love it. But let me say something to you, and this is not about Pastor Jim, but I'm just going to make some points. That if I was pursuing pleasure, it would not be pastoring. I, and I find, but yet, but yet, listen to me, but yet, hear me. But I have great pleasure in pastoring. Because my pursuit isn't pleasure. My pursuit is God and his purpose for my life. And now I got great pleasure. Make sense? Lovers of pleasure, true pleasure is found in creative purpose. That my God has creatively designed me and woven me. We'll do a message pretty soon on David's Psalm. In Psalm 139, he said, where you hemmed me in. Oh, I love that scripture. You hemmed me in. How many know that whole hemming me in, that when he hems me in, he's protecting, he's protecting me from that which is outside? But how many know he's protecting me from that which is inside, me? Have you ever been hemmed in by God where he's protected you from You? Hmm? where he's protected you from your choices and your decisions and your thoughts, and he put this hem around you and says, no, no. That's another story, another day. You see, this whole thing Paul's saying, in the last days, men will be lovers of self, and they will be lovers of money, and they will be lovers of pleasure. The problem with becoming lovers of self and lovers of money and a lovers of pleasure is that when we do that more than God, it does not reveal the culture of the kingdom of God. How many know we are part of the kingdom of God right here, right now, and the kingdom of God is inside of us as believers? And now when I love others, when I, love, when I don't love money and I don't love pleasure, I'm revealing a culture not of this world, because how many know the culture of this world is around money, pleasure, and self? The kingdoms of the world love self. They teach self. I had a guy years ago, not in here today, <laughs> all right? He comes to me, they have having marriage issues and some problems and stuff like this, and, and most marriage problems are about control, power, and being selfish. But anyhow, we'll go there another day. Stop being selfish, stop being, want to be in control. Love God first, and you'll be amazing how this thing works out. <laughs> and this is what he says to me. Well, I've come to find out and figured out that I, I should just take more time to love myself. Being the pastoral sort of person that I am, loving, kind, and gracious. I looked at him and said, sounds to me like you're on a big pity party. As you're on a pity party is what you're on. I said, let me give you a two you straight, bubba. This is your season of life. You get up in the morning. You get your kids ready. You send them to school. You go to work, you come home, they come home. You get supper, well we before that, you run them to practice, you run them to this, you run them to that school activity, you run them to practice, you come home, you get break, uh, you get supper, you eat supper, you do the homework, you get through that, you get them to bed, and 10 o'clock, you might finally have some time for self. That's the season that you are in. Embrace it or you will resent it. Embrace it or you will resent it. Stop being selfish. That's your season. Very pastoral, right? Loving. Crying out loud. Suck it up, men. Suck it up, ladies. Embrace your season, or you will resent your season. And when you resent your season, you won't enjoy it, and the day's going to come where you're going to miss that season. Wow. I'm going to write that one down. The kingdoms of the world are teaching people to love themselves. That's not Jesus. And it's filtrated itself into the church sometimes. The kingdoms of the world revolve around the love of money. The kingdoms of the world love pleasure. Love pleasure. And again, nothing wrong with any of these in and of themselves. The kingdom of God is the antithesis of this world, it is countercultural as demonstrated by Jesus. The world says love self. The kingdom of God says deny self. The world says love money. The kingdom of God says don't love money. The kingdoms of the world say love pleasure. The kingdom of God says pleasure has a purpose and don't become a lover of pleasure. You see, lovers of God don't love the things the kingdoms of the world love in order to reveal a kingdom not of this world. How do I reveal a kingdom not of this world when I operate according to the value system of this world? When I love me more than others, it's not revealing the kingdom of God. When I love money more than God, it's not revealing the kingdom of God. When I love pleasure more than God, I am not revealing the kingdom of God. We take the things of the kingdoms of this world and we then use them to reflect the culture of the kingdom. I use the money of this world to reveal the kingdom of not of this world. I deny myself, why? Because the love of Christ was a love of self-denial. And now it compels me to love. I show love to God by loving him more than myself. I demonstrate my love for God by loving others more than myself. You know, the fact of the matter is, you know, why you, love, you know why you love some people? Because God loves you. And God wants to show his love to them through you. Some people are hard to love. Can I get an amen? Come on. The fact is, some people are hard to love. They're mean, they're nasty. They make fun of you on Facebook when you turn 55. I don't love money, but what I do now is I use money to love God. I use my money to love my children. I use my money to love my grandchildren. I use my money to love my wife. I use money to love God. I use money to demonstrate love for God. Yes, it is a demonstration. (laughs) Some of us don't like this theology. Some of us don't like it, but it's the fact and it's the truth. I use my money to demonstrate my love for others. We use money to demonstrate my love for his kingdom. Christ is our standard. Come on, Troy. Christ is our standard of what it means to be free from the love of self, money, and pleasure. It was he who left his estate to come to earth. It was he that demonstrated that you can change the world without wealth. You can change the world without power as the world knows it. He was a demonstration of it. I I will say this. Money can help you change the world, but you've got to learn how to love first. It was he who demonstrated to love others more than self. Self. Let me close with this statement. and we're going to do communion. Oh, man, I forgot to do something. Okay, okay. I need to take that piece of paper. Okay. Why didn't somebody remind me of this? Don't you guys know I'm ADD? Take this for a moment, real quick. Work with me quick. Grab a pen. Should be some in the back. If not, borrow some. Make it happen. If you do not have one of these pieces of paper, raise your hand. Raise your hand. These guys will take care of you. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to just simply do this. Now listen to me, lyrically. All I want is your name. All I want is your name. Keep your hand up if you didn't get one. I don't want a hypothesis of this or that. I just want your name. Everybody got that? All right. Just your name. Put your name on there. And once you put your name on there, do me a favor. Pass them towards the middle aisle. Just pass them towards the middle aisle. I'm trying to figure out how to do this without confusing everybody. This is the middle aisle. (laughs) Just pass them this way. And the guys are going to collect them in a moment. You know, it's amazing as they collect these. How much time people spend nowadays trying to predict exactly when the last day is going to be. We look at blood moons. Oh, blood moons. I mean, blood moons will sell a book, but it don't mean nothing to us. No, I'm not going there, okay? And we're always trying to predict. We're going to predict the future. We're going to predict this. We're going to predict the last day. When is Jesus coming back and all this stuff? The Bible doesn't tell us. But let me say this statement to you as they collect these. If these are the last days, then perhaps we should be more focused on revealing the love of Christ rather than figuring out the last days. If these truly are the last days, maybe the body of Christ better come back to the place where we are more concerned about revealing the love of God rather than figuring out the last day. The question this morning was, are you a lover? The answer to the question is yes. But then the next question is, that begs to be asked, is what are you a lover of? And the fact is, there's, Paul said that they would be lovers of men, or I'm sorry, lovers of money and lovers of self and lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God. Rather than lovers of God. Our highest calling is to be a lover of God. Our highest calling is to be a lover of God our second highest calling is to be a lover of people. Money, pleasure, and self have sometimes gotten us out of divine order. And today, this is a clarion call to say to this house and to say to Christians, let's get our order. Let's get our priority in order. Let's get the kingdom order established in our heart that I I'm not going to be a lover of money and I'm not going to be a lover of self and I'm not going to be a lover of pleasure. I'm going to be a lover of God and I'm going to be a lover of people. The, the year was about 1990. I was in Bible school. We had gone to Bible school after we were married. Had two kids and went to Bible school. and I mean, oh, you're studying for the ministry. I'm going to be great men of God. And at the end of Christmas, at, at, right before Christmas break or Thanksgiving break they would do a thing at the last chapel before the break and they would put this big basket in the front of the church the sanctuary and they, everybody would put their name in it and you were to take that name and you were to take it home with you over the break and you were to pray for that person so they would come back and things all these different things and I'm sitting in the back of the sanctuary because see I had elevated myself to be able to sit in the back that's There's a joke about that, but I won't tell you about that. And I looked at my friend, and I looked at him and said, I know whose name I'm getting. He's whose? And I told him. He said, No. I said, "Uh Uh-huh. He said, Why? Because I don't like him. (laughs) I just don't like him. He's a punk. He's a this, he's a that, and I don't like him. And I'm sitting there going, Oh, I know whose name I'm getting. Time came, so when you leave the sanctuary, you had to go pick one up. Went up, went through, picked out my name. Yep, sure enough, that's who it was. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I didn't receive it with joy. So I took it home. I had to pray for this guy. So I did. Lord, get him. no. Oh. <laughs> And let me tell you this to you. So I did. I, I, I prayed for him. Now, I'm going to say this to you. Number one, I'm not going to say to you we became best friends because we didn't. Okay, there's things about him I still didn't like. But it changed my attitude because let me tell you something. When you're praying for somebody and you're legitimate praying for somebody and you're legitimate praying for God to bless them, I know mean, it will change how you deal with that person. It just will. And, and, and today we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to celebrate the body and blood of Jesus Christ the body that he gave for us the greatest demonstration of selfless love the greatest demonstration of this selfless love that gave himself for you and I that we became part of the body of Christ each person in here is part of the body of Jesus Christ some of you don't like each other some of you don't like this person some of you don't like that person well could it be because you like self more than them? But what I'm doing today is, God put this in my heart. You know how fast I move yesterday. <laughs> and, if and some people are wondering why it said University of Kentucky at the top corner. Because that was the only ones Pastor Chris had. <laughs> but here's what I'm asking you to do today. You're coming up, and you're going to take from the Lord's table the body and blood of Jesus Christ. But as you come past these steps... There's a bucket there, and there's a bucket there. And all these buckets contain these names that we just put in. And I'm going to ask you to pull out a name. And I'm going to ask you to take it with you. And I'm going to ask you to pray for that person. Now, now, there's some rules to this. Don't tell the person you have their name. It's between you and God. You don't need, you don't need, let me tell you what you don't need to do. Brother, I got your name, and I need to know what's going on in your life. No, you don't. (laughs) Okay? No, you don't. The Spirit of God can lead you to pray. Pray the word over them if you don't know what else to pray. Get number six out. Pray the ironic blessing over them if you don't know what else to pray. Pray for God to bless them. Pray for God to this. Pray for them. Put it somewhere. Put it on your refrigerator. Every one of us go to the refrigerator every day. Put it in your car. Put it somewhere. And said, so I'm praying for my fellow believer in the body of Christ. And I'm going to promise you, and this is what I'm going to promise you today. Some of you are going to get a name you'd rather not had. Good. Jesus didn't tell us to pray for our enemies because they needed it. We needed to pray for our enemies. It'll change your heart. So I'm going to ask you to do this. Just I, I think how we... Last time, I, last time I confused everybody. All right? Just go to the outside and come forward. Yeah, that's what I did. Just make your way to the outside aisle. Okay? So you're here. You go that way. You're here. You go that way. Come around and take your seat and we'll all... Take of the table together. Come get bread. Come and get wine. Come and get a name. Let's be the body of Christ in action. Come on. Would you come? Can you have a different one? He picked his own name. (laughs) How about a lover of self? how we have a few extra though. I'm not sure how that works. Some of you put some in, but you must not have taken some out. Attack. You guys think? Come on, man. All right, I'm coming. Nobody. I did not put my name in. You got me. We're gonna see how good a, how good you are at praying. <laughs> I taught my mother how to pray. I'm having fun, obviously, but there's, there, there's, there's great importance to what we're doing. There's incredible importance to what we're doing here. This is, us, this is the body of Christ in operation, that we're sharing from his body and his sacrifice. We become, when we partake that, we, we become part of that body. And when we become part of that body, how many know we're responsible for each other? The Bible teaches it. And so now here's what I want you to I want you to take that name and I want you to pray for that person. To pray for that person. And again, the rules are, don't tell them who you got. Everybody knows who Gail has though. It's amazing how many of you came through here and said, I hope I don't get yours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, 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 it's really simple. You, kind of just, you can just start. Like, you, you, Father, I thank you. This person is part of the body that I'm a part of. We're part of the same body. I'm called to love this person. I'm called to love this person. I'm going to pray blessing upon them. Your favor upon them. And on and on you can go. You say, well, how do I know what to pray for them? What would you pray for you? (laughs) Pray for them. The Spirit of God will lead you. Some of you will even learn how to pray through this. The greatest demonstration of love, the greatest demonstration of love was when Jesus willingly gave his body and blood for you and I. That is the standard. That is the standard by which we as Christ followers are to follow. Are you a lover? The answer is yes. Yes. Ask God's blessing on the bread. George, you want to do that?
0: Oh, Lord, you say to do this, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me till I come again. Lord, only you know the day and the hour. But certainly we're in the season. And certainly we're in the season to love each other. Mm. and To reflect your glory to the world. Mm. So, Father, we just uh, do this in remembrance of you this morning in remembrance of your sacrifice on the cross. And Father, we don't forget our purification from our former sins. But God, we're all the more diligent to put on virtue and godliness and patience and self-control so that we we'll would not be barren and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. So that's how we remember you today, Father. We just take this bread and we just bless you. We remember you. We can't wait to do this at the wedding feast in heaven. It is going to be so awesome. But we had a little taste of that this morning as we praised you and worshipped you and, and heaven came down. As we declared our praises to you and the enemy had to leave because he can't stand the praises of, of your people. He can't live in that atmosphere. So God, we just bless you this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for, for humbling yourself and taking the form of a man and not considering equality with God a thing to be grasped. But you dwelt among us and showed us how to live and died for our sins that we might resurrect with you when we fly away. We just thank you, Lord. We look forward to it. In Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Let's eat together. The Bible tells us he took the cup. The cup of the new covenant established by the blood of Jesus. The great great equalizer among men is the blood of Jesus. Not one drop more was shed for me than you. Pastor Peter, would you Ask God's blessing. Father, we thank you that you made peace through the blood of your cross. And Lord, we thank
0: you that the blood has prevailed and that we overcome by the blood of the lamb. And Lord, I rejoice today in the shed blood of the Savior. We thank you that when he comes back the next time, he'll not come back having to have his blood shed, but he'll come back on the basis of the blood shed. And Lord, we give you praise for it. And so Lord, as we take this cup today, We just say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the
1: blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's drink together. You came this morning and you took from the table body and blood of Jesus Christ and you receive from that we've all received from what he did with his body and his blood but you walked away from this table also carrying the name of somebody who's part of that body of Christ and now you are carrying a responsibility and a trust and you carry that and you be faithful to it Why? Because it's what you do as a Christ follower. Because it's what you do as a Christ follower. Because he set the standard of selfless love.